This week, the New Yorker examines America's obsession with work. I try to find an answer for burnout, and we Google the word millennial with my pals Andrea Allen and Emily Lubin. That's a tease, and this is Mike Coscarelli Rules. He is so cute. <laughs> Mike Coscarelli? Mike Coscarelli. <laughs> Mike Coscarelli is here as well. He's the producer for this failing fucking radio show. A big hand for Mike something Italian. Oh, hello. Welcome back. It's Mike Coscarelli Rules. I am failed comedian Mike Coscarelli. I appreciate you checking out episode three of this very new podcast. It's been a lot of fun so far. I'm very excited about this episode. There's a lot here that I've really enjoyed doing this week and learning about and preparing for you guys to hear. And I'm actually going to keep the intro short this week because I went so far over time with my guests, who you're going to love, by the way. We'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, there was just a little bit that I wanted to talk to you guys about. You, the listener. My friend, the listener. How are you this week? Are you doing okay? I'm feeling great. I feel possibly the most creative I've felt in years. I'm trying to harness that and put a lot of that into this podcast because it's just such a great feeling. It's like you're walking on air when you have this sort of um, creative freedom and you're, you're not working for people that constrict you or make it harder for you to uh, create the type of things that you're willing to create. That's one of the great things about working for yourself. You get to just do what you feel is right. You get to say the things that you feel are important. You get to create the type of podcast that you want to create, for better or for worse. And it's a great feeling. Uh, Work, obviously, is an important aspect of our lives in America. You can argue that it is potentially the most important aspect of your life. I don't know that that's the case in every other country. Um, We have a very special relationship with work, as noted in this really good piece in The New Yorker this week. I know I sound like a fucking New York, Upper West Side, snobby person name-dropping The New Yorker, but Jill Lepore wrote this great article. It's called What's Wrong with the Way We Work. Americans are told to give their all, time, labor, and passion to their jobs. But do their jobs give enough back? I would argue no. <laughs> I would argue no. This article is fantastic. If you haven't read this yet or seen it been passed around the internet, I would definitely check it out, uh, read the whole thing. The basic premise of the article is, you know, too much work is bad, which is sort of a bit no-duh, but... The interesting things that are here, A, the character in the story, there's this woman, Maria Fernandez. This is a a woman that was in New Jersey in 2014. She ended up dying. Uh, She had three part-time jobs. She worked at three different Dunkin' Donuts, Uh, one in, I think, Elizabeth, one in Newark, one in, you know, uh, Kearney or some other town near there in North Jersey. Um. And she would just go from Dunkin' to Dunkin' working these shifts, 80-hour work weeks, making not that much money, 40-something thousand dollars a year, barely enough to to feed a family, not that she had a family, but she was supporting a boyfriend and and all that stuff. Uh, Miss Fernandez died because she was so burned out that she ended up inhaling fumes from the car. Uh, and dying from inhaling the exhaust. 
brutal. First off, a, a sloppy way to go that could have easily been avoided if she had just had a normal amount of work and didn't have to, you know, sleep in between shifts in her car to get some sort of energy to go work at a donut place. Uh, it's just very sad that that is sort of the work style that we adopt as Americans is that you put your head down and you work yourself to death. It's also sort of an immigrant work ethic. As an Italian uh, growing up, I think that that was instilled in me as, you know, I'm second generation uh, American. And I think that my family, they are, they're all hard workers. You know, my grandpa was the type of dude that, he was a cop in, in Bed-Stuy in New York City in the, in the 70s. Uh, and then, you know, when he was done, he would exterminate. Uh, that was his, like, gig after being a police officer. You know, put a fucking tin of poison on his back and climb up the stairs in Park Slope and exterminate with my dad and, you know, uh, kill bugs and rats and shit in all these buildings. Um, and always when I was a kid, I remember him, you know... Uh, installing wood floors in, in my, my parents' house or, uh, you know, very handy guy, took a lot of pride in that type of work, home craftsmanship, that sort of stuff. Uh, and I was raised in that sort of environment, but as this article stresses, at, at some point, work got this PR spin in favor of it. There was a, a period of time for most of human existence where it was sort of agreed upon that work sucks and it's not fun and it's not something that you should relish having to do. And then somewhere along the line, we developed, at least in this country, this philosophy that you need to love what you do and you'll never work a day in your life and you need to just love what you do. But the issue is that a lot of people don't love what they do. Um, and if you're not an actual craftsman of, of anything, if you're the type of person that, for instance, works on an assembly line and let's make this clear, the assembly line in 2021 is not necessarily the assembly line at the Ford plant that still exists, but the assembly not line is now a digital assembly line. If you actually work for a company and you're not the person that's creating something, some sort of product. You don't have a job that gives you some sort of tangible gratification, instant gratification. If you're a teacher, that's instant gratification. You you see you're working with the kids all day. You see them develop over a, a short period of time, hopefully, you know, if you're good at the job. <laughs> you see kids grasp on to concepts and learn, learn how to learn. That's a gratifying job, I would think. I'm not a teacher, but there are jobs that exist like that, where you see your product from start to finish. If you don't have a job like that, if you work in the in the innards of some sort of company, you can get a little bit disconnected from your day-to-day life. Any sort of potential interest in your job, because it's not a craft of any kind. Tying up loose ends, sending some emails, talking to this guy, talking to that guy, white collar, never get your hands dirty type of shit. Those are the types of jobs, in my opinion, that when people describe soul-sucking jobs, that's what we're dealing with. 
And I think that that is leading to a lot more burnout than anything else. And I'll be honest, when I was a kid, the rap in my house was you had to work hard in school because you didn't want to end up working with your back. And I was very bad in school. I, I had no real interest. And the joke in my house was that I was going to end up pumping gas because in Jersey, you can somebody comes and puts gas in your car. You know, it's not like the rest of the country where you do it yourself. There's an attendant for that. And that was the job that was going to be reserved for me. <laughs> um, but now that I'm an adult and I have a certain perspective, I love what I do. And I'm very happy that I get to, I might not be making any money off of this podcast specifically right now, but I've been able to work in podcasting and broadcasting and radio for 11 years this has really been the only career that I've had other than a successful run at stand-up comedy, which, as you know, did not work out. <laughs> but as an adult now, the people that I think are actually the most happy with what they do are the people that have some sort of small business related to a craft. People fucking, their faces light up when they talk about the craft beer that they make or they they you know own a little store that they put all of their their heart into you know I, I there's some places in Williamsburg that little record stores that I go to all the time these types of people that just they like being around their craft and their craft is you know in this case stocking and selling records it's not like they're making a a fucking samurai sword or something but it's impressive. That's the type of thing that feels meaningful because you're actually seeing your job through. And we've really gotten away from that in this country, at least. I don't know about, you know, I can't speak for the rest of the world, but people that have these mundane soul-sucking jobs end up working more than people that have these jobs in France and Germany. I remember being young, hearing about uh, Spanish siestas to take a nap in the middle of the day, have a little snack. Blew my fucking mind. I could not believe it. Take a nap in the middle of the day? Are they crazy? How do you, what, when do you get work done? That's the secret. You don't actually have to get work done. Most of these jobs at this point, very stupid. It's a lot of bullshit. Push a lot of papers around. It's, it's kind of whatever. And it is a very frightening philosophy that we have in this country that you can work yourself straight into burnout. And dude, when you're, I've been burned out, I'm, I'm still recovering from my last burnout and it's not easy. You have to actually take some time and sit on your ass and just not think about work or not do anything for a couple weeks before you can actually apply yourself to do anything worthwhile. And we're living in a time because of the pandemic where workers are absolutely exploited because jobs work is just kind of hard to find and, and a lot of fields and you're if you didn't get laid off that's you're very lucky um and that's great like keep doing what you're doing but you also have to understand that people that run things run companies whatever they have you guys by the balls they have us by the balls now is the time where they can crack the whip because how terrifying would it be to have a pretty good job and perhaps a family and a house or an apartment or a life and suddenly it's taken away from you because you didn't work harder than the other guy and shared the same position as you and it was time to cut salaries. 
Now they're going to get extra productivity out of you, probably extra productivity out of him or her. This is a pivotal moment for America and how we build our work infrastructure moving forward. These are the type of conditions, granted there's no pandemic when the Russian revolution happened, but we're in revolution type conditions. And right now, and this is also specified in this uh, article written in the New York, the New Yorker, we are in America. We are at the lowest point. There are no, there's no unions anymore. If you're in a union, you're lucky and you get to probably are driving a truck. You're a cop, maybe, or a firefighter, something like that. A garbage man, maybe a teacher. There's no media unions. There need to be because people are getting fucking exploited. I can tell you that one from experience. Everybody wants to clap their hands for Barstool for fucking raising a bunch of money for small businesses. Meanwhile, people there tried to unionize in Portnoy through a fucking fit, a public fit. My own experience. If you're anti-labor right now, small business is a little bit different because small businesses in some ways are labor competing with uh, big corporate entities. Also something that I'm not a huge fan of. So small businesses are they're a little bit different here, but if you're not pro labor right now, where people are absolutely getting exploited and risking their lives to go back to work during a pandemic, what the fuck is wrong with you? There really is this sort of, uh, in some ways, Republican way of thinking that even if you don't have that much money, you have to be on the side of business because that's just the way it is in America. And at some point, even though you're broke now, you're going to be a rich guy someday. And you don't want it on the record that you were against the rich guy. But I'll tell you something. This is a little secret. You're never going to be the rich guy. You're never going to be the rich guy. If you're not the rich guy by now, you're never going to be the rich guy. You're going to be the poor guy, just like me, just like my friends and the people that I live with and the people that I associate with. We're always going to be poor, mentally at least, but I am pro-labor. I'm always going to be pro-labor. I'm probably never going to run a business or run anything, so this isn't going to be something that comes back to bite me. And if I do get to a point where I am pro, if I do get to a point where I am running some sort of business, I will be as pro labor as possible. Shout out to Gimlet in my field; they actually allowed their workers to unionize. That's a good step, and that's a a great thing. And also, at this point, if you're running a business, how do you not want to keep your employees happy? I don't understand that. They don't have any say in this. You're just going to replace them? Middle of a pandemic? It's just not of interest to you to keep people working for you and keeping them happy. If they're doing a good job, you're making money. You don't want to just keep things status quo by just making the people that have made your business run happy. I just don't understand it. And an aspect of that is putting some sort of barrier up and allowing people to unplug for a little bit. Because... The way that we work now in 2021 is not the way people used to work in the fucking 80s. In the 80s, you left work, you were gone. People couldn't get to you. They might get lucky, maybe. There's some sort of emergency. They know you're at a a bar that you're a, a regular at. Maybe you're at home. They could try to call you. But you had every right in the 1980s to fucking hang the phone up in somebody's face if you didn't want to 
deal with them after hours. You didn't have caller ID, so you couldn't tell who was calling you, but it was more unreasonable to reach out to somebody after five about something work-related than it is now. Now you're just getting emails at all the hours of the night. You don't have to answer them right away, maybe, you know, necessarily, depending on what you do for a living, but somebody is working and somebody still thought it was okay to send you an email at nine o'clock at night, hoping probably that you would respond as quickly as you could. So I'm doing my best to figure out a way to unplug, but not so much so that I am not going to keep bringing you content that rules every single week. I'm curious, what's your relationship with work like? Am I off? Am I just on my soapbox like my mom likes to say? Am I just talking shit? Or perhaps am I just a genius and onto something here? Should I run for office? Maybe I should. Maybe I'm the man we need right now. Probably not. Anyway, email the show. Coskrules at gmail.com. C-O-S-C. Rules at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Mike Coscarelli. If you have not done so already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It goes a long way. It's super helpful. We need this to work out. I need this for my family. I got nothing else right now. All right, I'm not going to keep begging you, but please do it if you haven't done so already. And I think it's time to get to my guests and a new segment. This is a fun one. My guests, oh my God, I love these girls. They're two of my favorite people ever. They're two of my oldest comedy friends as well. Um, They're also in the podcast game. They have a very successful podcast called the Hot Mess Comedy Hour. My guests are Andrea Allen and Emily Lubin. These girls are so funny, so smart, uh, and such boss bitches. Really, honestly. They've been running their their show and, and basically working for themselves for a pretty long period of time now, a couple of years, which is impressive because most, most people in our field can't fucking figure out how to do that. But they're awesome. And we talk a little bit about um, millennial culture. And a lot of this work stuff that we were just that I was just babbling about applies to what we were talking about. So you may hear some thoughts repeated, but they really are awesome guests. And I'm actually on their podcast, The Hot Mess Comedy Hour, tomorrow, if you're hearing this, Wednesday the 20th. So... Here's what you do tomorrow. You wake up, you get prepped for the inauguration because Sleepy Joe is going to be inaugurated as president of the United States. You hope nothing crazy happens. And then once he's got his hand on the Bible and he's doing his walk to, I don't know if there's going to be a crowd. There probably shouldn't be. We're in a pandemic. But as he's walking, you get the idea. Everything's cool. He's now the president. You pop in the hot mess comedy hour and you listen to me on their show. After you've listened to this, obviously, but okay, enough of my babbling. It's time to get to Andrea and Emily. This was a lot of fun and you guys are going to enjoy it. So I guess you'll hear from me in about, let's say 15 seconds this time. How about that? Cause I like this song.
Millennial, the demographic cohort following Generation X and preceding Generation Z. Researchers in popular media use the early 1980s as starting birth years and the mid-1990s to early 2000s as ending birth years, with 1981 to 1996 being a widely accepted defining range for the generation. Most millennials are the children of baby boomers and early Gen Xers. Millennials are often the parents of Generation Alpha. That's the Wikipedia definition of the word that has described a generation of Americans who everyone fucking hates. We catch shit from everybody because for some reason, we have a reputation for being soft babies who take the easy way out and have panic attacks. Case in point, Wikipedia is the millennial version of the dictionary. It's only online, it's always asking for money, and anyone can suggest changes to its articles, leaving it constantly in crisis, searching for true meaning. Other generations have left their mark on history in bold with action. Like our founding fathers, who sparked a revolution against the crown across the pond. Or the brave pioneers, who blazed the trail out west and tamed the new frontier. Or even our grandfathers, who fought back the Nazis and preserved the free world. And all of that is lovely, and quite a feather in your cap when the history books are written. But honestly, how long do we have to suck your dicks because you killed Hitler? Bravo! The world is different. The calling cards of my generation are panic, burnout, and economic despair. We all went to college, which they told us to do, and all that did was even the playing field for us to be exploited as a competitive advantage shifted in favor of employers with an entire educated population fighting for less pay and worse benefits. And not only that, we bankrupted ourselves along the way to get there. We are the Xanax generation, constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop right into our assholes and fuck us to death. In the past, other generations are defined by major pop culture moments, and it's what makes up American nostalgia. In modern times, many of us long for the days when Back to the Future was the biggest movie in the world, or the Beatles debuted on The Ed Sullivan Show, or even Babe Ruth crushing home runs in Yankee Stadium, and also eating hot dogs in the outfield and fucking prostitutes in the clubhouse. But all that stuff was a lot of fun. So let's fast forward here. When VH1 does the millennial version of their shitty I Love the 70s, 80s, and 90s shows, which, if you don't remember, ran clips about fun events and pop culture from their respective of eras as comedians and D-level celebs added colorful commentary. What are the fun, outrageous topics going to be for us? I love millennials. The Great Recession? 9-11? That was whoa, 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 wacky. What kind of nostalgic bits does Hal Sparks have about the coronavirus pandemic? Or a president who was impeached twice, not to mention living in fear of a world that's normalized civilian soft-target terrorism, crippling amounts of student loan debt, and irreversible climate change. All hilarious. The problem must be that we're just soft. Let's be serious here. We inherited a world as it was careening into utter unrest and chaos. We're unlucky, not like our predecessors, the baby boomers, who had all the fun, made all the money, and got us into the situation that we're in. Or Gen Z, who's living in the same shitty world that we are, but at least they had the benefit of being born into the darkness, while we were birthed into a world with economic and cultural expectations at its absolute peak and raised to come of age in its decline. We are Batman to their bane. Oh, you think darkness is your ally? You merely adopted the dark. I was born in it. 
molded by it. I didn't see the light until I was already a man. By then, it was nothing to me but blinding. The shadows betray you because they belong to me. Poor Batman. We're the in-between generation. Our parents think we're lazy. We barely have sex. We don't own homes. We have no children. And we collect vinyl records, even though we use Spotify to listen to music. Yeah, it's a raw deal. But we're not too mad about it. Hey, at least we had the ice bucket challenge. Remember that? That got a lot of people wet. This next segment is here as a defense. It's called, We Googled the Word Millennial. And it's as seemingly lazy as the people who are about to participate in it. Plain and simple, we know everyone is talking shit about us. On social media, in the press, on the news. Fuck them. So we literally typed the word millennial into Google and clicked on the news tab. We'll be talking today about some of the things that people are writing about us. And we're going to tell you how accurate those things are and what we think about them. Because we got a lot of feelings. Now, without any further ado, enjoy this Spice Girls instrumental as I introduce my next guests. Oh, and we're back here on Mike Coscarelli Rules. I'm joined by two of my favorite people in the comedy and podcasting world. Their show is super fun and super funny. It's called the Hot Mess Comedy Hour. I'm now joined by Andrea Allen and Emily Lubin. Ladies, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, my familia. <laughs> You're in store oh for a nice Italian dinner. Yes. Wait, I would we... love a nice Italian dinner. No, do you know, I have such clarity on that entire situation. Just context for the listeners. Several years ago, Mike was really upset because this girl that he was into mm. broke it off with him. Like an ulti kind of like 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 armpit hair, like yeah. side shaved head. She was, a, like, she was a hairy lass, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. It was not the usual boots and sweaters, Mike Coscarelli blueprint. <laughs> it wasn't a Coscarelli gal, as no, they say. it was not. I, I didn't realize that yeah, portion. Yeah. yeah, but he... He got, you know, upset and um, and sent Andrea like paragraph long text messages, Mm -hmm. including I was going to take her to a nice Italian. (laughs) No, I did. I did take her to a nice nice Italian Italian dinner. dinner. That's the thing. Yeah, it was because we went to this nice Italian dinner. And then (laughs) and then uh, like the next day she called me and was like, we got to stop doing this. I was like, what did I what did I do? You didn't like the dinner? (laughs) I shelled out. Oh, my God. because I put cheese on the fish, <laughs> Mike. She doesn't deserve you. I mean, I no. know this was years ago at this point, yeah. and nobody cares. But like, if you take a lady to a nice Italian dinner <laughs> and she does not appreciate it, she yeah. is not. Yes, that's why he was so perturbed because he he put, took out the big guns and he. That's took right. The, to I, the nicest of Italian dinners. I'm. I, I'm. And she knew. Honestly, she knew she was going to break it off, and she ate and that. She still fucking breaded ate, chicken. Ate Just the unbelievable. Uh huh. Oh my god, the disrespect. No inconsiderate. Yes. What an so inconsiderate, inconsiderate lady. Yeah. And you know, I don't mean to brag, but I have been taken out to my fair share of nice Italian dinners. Yes. <laughs> and um, I have always fucked that person for at least a month, <laughs> minimum. <laughs> after minimum, are yeah. you? At you'd figure mid. that that extends the relationship by at least a, a month. And then sure, you'd figure after sure. that month, you just go to another nice Italian dinner. <laughs> of course. And it extends well, again. Hit the refresh button. You don't right. take the nice Italian dinner if you know, like, you know the cost that you're that you're bearing when you go on the nice Italian dinner. You got to, you, you're putting out. 
Sorry. Yeah, hundred percent. That that was yeah. my thinking too, which is obviously why I, you know, I initiated a nice Italian dinner. I but mean, and no. that is our brand of feminism. <laughs> <laughs> if someone buys you nice food, you suck them off. What? Exchange of goods and services. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, like, I didn't know Mike. I knew Mike well enough, but we weren't that close. At you the were time. a nice but Italian yeah, dinner yeah. level. No, and then like the fact that you were so genuinely upset, and me and Emily behind your back for years, for years, <laughs> years. When, like until last year, <laughs> I used to just be like a nice Italian dinner. <laughs> yeah, honestly, you, I didn't know about this inside joke, which, you know, uh-huh. hopefully the listeners now are, are in on, too. I didn't know sure. about this until uh, my last relationship ended. And yeah. you like confided in me when we were talking and smoking uh, cigarettes <laughs> down by the river. We were yes. just I was just depressed that you were just like, here, here's something that might make you feel better. Me and Emily have been making fun of you behind your back for like four years. <laughs> Well, like, I mean, that would make me feel better. I don't know. I don't know about you. It, it did make me feel better. It made me feel loved that you guys had yes. this like uh, right this, that were, like, uh, enough respect for me to have this <laughs> this fun inside joke that yes. wasn't mean, not mean spirited. No, no. Uh, oh, I appreciate it. Honestly, I thought thought it was so sweet, yes. like genuinely sweet. Yeah. What was funny about it was that you felt so comfortable to disclose that because we all have feelings like that, you mm-hmm. know. Like I took an ex to um to a gun range this was like oh, a I, love right. that. I, I honestly I like this was that. your nice italian dinner this was my nice italian dinner <laughs> yeah. i'm so thoroughly embarrassed to be sharing this i think i was 23 yes um and we had been talking about like going to shoot guns because you know when you're dating someone and you're like you run out of fun things to do so you just yeah. try to think of like violence. what's the craziest shit we could do yes yeah. i and yeah. i turned violence let's do violence yeah. together um yeah. naturally so <laughs> we finally go to this gun range it's um, I think it's called West Side Gun Range or something. It's in Manhattan, but you can it's shoot a yes, yeah. but you can wow. shoot a rifle like at a target. Hot. Um, and it's actually it's quite fun, but it costs like hundred and ten dollars a person oh. or something. Oh. Like it's insane. I paid <gasps> for both of us. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Oh, that's that's two nice Italian dinners. I paid <laughs> for us to go to this fucking gun range because he had been paying, and I, I think I sensed like he was not maybe feeling it so much. Yeah. Shouldn't have come on the date, to be honest. Like that's an expensive sure, date. Yeah. But yeah. um, but. I ended up paying, and then literally the next day he broke up with me. Are that you is a, always the worst. I, I think that's you such knew. bullshit. You knew. You yeah. absolutely knew. Before knew. the guns, you knew before the wine. He probably just didn't want to get shot, or he would have broken up with me there, you know? <laughs> I mean, Emily also got broken up live on a podcast on Valentine's Day. So, like, yes, I did. Emily I was there has, for that, wasn't I? Yeah. Mike was there for that yeah. because yes. he produced that podcast. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But that was, but that time, was different yeah. because that was like very much. Um, planned. Yeah, but yeah. still, you're you're a soldier. Like what I'm saying is like Emily's a soldier in the nice Italian dinner war, and like yeah. I mean, I've been humiliated on so many levels too. So like it was just like, oh, me and Mike just like leveled up as friends, and also like we found a way. <laughs> nice Italian dinner. It was a way to conceptualize this feeling of like laying <laughs> shit down for someone else, and then just yeah. getting. Fucking KO. Yeah, just laying your heart on the yeah. line and just having someone bulldoze over it. Just getting dragged. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, you do I, I guess you're that's a great way to put it because I think that was one of the most vulnerable conversations that I had, had with you up to that point. Yeah, and sure, I think sure. that like 
I was upset about it, and it does really encapsulate this idea that like like I put all this effort in for yeah. this person, and then it was just like I got completely shit on, and yes. now here I am crying with you by the river sm- smoking I cigarettes. Mean, there's just something more. Hum- the more effort you put in, the humiliation factor yeah. is higher. Like rejection's gonna hurt no matter what, but like oh, yeah. you fucking hire a three piece band, and you're the biggest <laughs> asshole to ever live. Kiss me, right? <laughs> and you, the- <laughs> but you can almost if you're like not putting the work in it does the rejection does hurt but you can almost expect it in a way yeah you think that you're just sort of like all right well i I wasn't really working that hard for this to begin with so i get it totally totally and my therapist said something that i now repeat to every single person i talk to even casually Mm -hmm. um which is love yourself your capacity for joy is directly proportionate to your capacity for pain so if Mm. you open yourself up to somebody you're opening yourself up to potentially you're being vulnerable so you're opening Mm. yourself up to potentially bond with somebody and seafood buffet and go to yeah <laughs> the nice, <laughs> the italian nice italian dinners buffet. of your dreams <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. but you're also opening yourself up to get murdered yeah for sure yeah 100 no. percent. yeah your heart is going to be ripped out by a girl who you know sometimes lives in california and sometimes lives in new york and can't decide which one she likes better right yeah but <laughs> the reason that we are here Yes. Uh, you guys are the uh, first guests that I'm having on to partake in a concept that I really love. It's something mm-hmm. that I've had on the the um, on my mind and on my my creative slab for a long time for this podcast. The bit, the segment, is called "We Googled the World." The word uh, we Googled the word millennial, uh, and the whole premise of this idea is that we're all millennials. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are notoriously a generation that gets shit on quite a so bit hard. for so everything. Hard. So much. Yeah. We're pussies. We're snowflakes. You know, we're spoiled, this, that, yes. whatever. And there's constantly think pieces being written about how shitty we are. Yes. Um, and I don't feel like we ever, as a generation, do much to respond to that. You know, we get on Twitter. We, yeah, you know, say a couple crying. things. We're too busy crying. We're too busy being <laughs> shitheads. Like, yeah, that's yeah, the right. thing. I can't defend myself against that because every word that you just used describes me but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean it's all millennials okay hashtag not all millennials also also millennials get shit on all the time can we talk about boomers for a second are you fucking kidding how much of an easy goddamn ride did those old (laughs) fucks get and they're talking about bootstraps look at our world we're literally burning from the inside out and they're in there (laughs) and they did it they did it right you did it you're pussies they're projecting. Boomers are always projecting on millennials because they know how fucking soft they are. Well, and they're fucking depressed. Like, if we want to talk about millennial burnout, which I think is what we're going to be talking it's about. up. Yeah, we're teasing yeah. it. It's like, I grew up in Westchester, which is a suburb outside the city, mm-hmm. outside mm-hmm. New York City. And all of the dads, like all my friends' dads, they would go into work at 6 Mm a.m. They'd get on the train, go to the city, and they'd come back, and it would be after midnight. They barely Mm. saw their kids. They would get to be like age 60, and they would either die of a heart attack or divorce their wives, have a midlife crisis, and be depressed for the rest of their fucking lives. So that's burnout. Like, I don't appreciate... I don't take advice from people who are living their own shitty lives in their 60s. You're pilled out. You're fucking tired. All right, wait, hang on. Let's save this. Boomers. (laughs) Fucking boomers. We're getting ahead of ourselves. (laughs) We can get into this. All right. 
So the, the basically what we did is uh, we go over to Google, we type in uh, the word millennial into Google, and then we hit yeah. enter, we click on the news, and we see what stories come up. So okay. we have three stories today uh, that we're going to talk about. Uh, the first one, uh, it comes to us from the Washington Post. The headline is, the first millennial turns 40 on January 1st. That's old enough to sue for age discrimination. So this was written uh, in the last week of December. Way to go, just- Washington Post. Excellent journalism. <laughs> Do you use your degree to write that fucking headline? Well, but listen, here's the, here's the, the joke. Continue. <laughs> The headline, not don't need a degree for that, but the rest of this article, actually very fascinating. There's some interesting shit in here. Uh, for starters, in a recent analysis published in the Journal of Political Economy, researchers sent U.S. employers more than 40,000 resumes and totaled the responses they got by age. By okay. age 50, they found that women were getting significantly fewer responses than their younger peers. Shocking. 50-year-old men, on the other hand, seemed to face no age penalty. By age sixty-five, widespread age discrimination set in as job seekers of both genders saw a sharp drop in callbacks. Now, now, one more thing here. Texas A&M economist Joanna Leahy, widely cited for her work on labor market discrimination, found a similar trend when she and her collaborator Douglas Oxley brought about 150 people into a lab and had them each rate 40 unique resumes. Ratings of women's resumes dropped off sharply starting at the age 36 Where or the earlier. While ratings Shut for up. men... <laughs> Earlier decline. than 36. <laughs> Early, in some like cases. 22. Well, 36 <laughs> is the new 50. So. Yeah. <laughs> While ratings for men didn't decline substantially, substantially until they hit their 50s. All right. So my first question for you guys, is it comforting to know that with all this wealth that we've accumulated in our lives, oh, yes. <laughs> that we're only a mere nine years away from having opportunities withheld from us from being too old? <laughs> well, um, we are. You're probably good. Um, <laughs> yeah, you've got at least 10 plus on us. Well, see, here's the thing. I already knew that this was a really serious problem from watching um, the TV show Younger. Mm-hmm. Starring, starring Hillary Duff. And um, and so I already knew that women in their 40s were heavily discriminated against in the workplace. Mm. It's kind of like 40 is uh, the soft spot that's like you're either too qualified for mm. what you're going for or mm. you either are not qualified because maybe you your career got derailed for a little bit or you're just not as qualified as like people who are younger than you and they don't want to put you in an inferior position right right so i think 40 like a 40 year old woman looking for a job in any industry really but like mainly like the big ones in new york publishing Mm -hmm. or you know even as a yeah, yeah, definitely entertainment. Um, they they they're shit out of luck. Yeah, I mean, I think like I've never. Me and Emily have talked about this. I've never been more um, smug than I have been this year. In that we built a business together that we don't answer to anybody. You yeah. know what I mean? Because. I have been, both of us have been in the workforce um, in different capacities. It sucks. It sucks balls. And I'm with you. (laughs) I did see this. I, like when I worked in fashion, particularly, I saw this all the time where like the young gun comes in and everyone can smell blood in the water. Um, so yeah, I mean, and then people who have been working in the industry for like thirty years yes. are suddenly worrying for their job. Yeah, yeah. Right. No, it's a very real phenomenon. And um, 
So I think it's kind of like, yeah, it freaks me out. It also makes me like intensely focused on building my own lane. You know what I mean? Like, I think I've, uh, we've always felt that way um, about like, you know, especially like entertainment specifically, there's like so much ageism towards women and shit like yeah. that. So to, to me, I'm like these systems for lack of a better word are not like set up in your favor. So like, don't participate in them as much as you, you know what I mean? Like you can, yeah. but like, but, but I would advise people to build their own things and do their own things because then, then, you know, you're not beholden to other people. I agree. Like, yeah. I think if you're smart and you, you know, are a capable human being and you're really unhappy in the industry that you're working in, but you don't know where to go from here, consider starting your own business. Yeah. Like it's not an easy thing to do by any means, but if you're a smart, capable person yeah. and you have connections, it's honestly a better way to go right now. Yes. Well, it's interesting because I feel like this idea of age discrimination in a workplace really is dependent on the fact that there's a workplace and yeah. somebody else is hiring you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys feel this way, but, for me, I was raised middle class, mm -hmm. maybe a little at times closer to lower middle class, mm -hmm. but um, it was never really pitched to me to be a business owner or to be yeah, a, sure, uh, sure. you know, like, like even the idea of entertainment, but you know, when we were all doing stand up and stuff like that, I think my parents understood that it, it sort of made sense for me given my personality and my skill set yeah. and everything like that, but they weren't necessarily thrilled at first and then they sure. you know they as I got serious about it they were kind of on my side but I don't think that that is like pitched to a lot of people do you, do you, no. did you feel that not. coming up where it was like it's like one day you guys will own your own business because it was always drilled into my head one day you'll work for some company they'll take care of you and that'll yes. be that you know and it just seems like things have completely changed from what we were taught as children well, uh, I I will say I uh, come from a rich as hell family, <laughs> um, and I'm not gonna fucking sorry Brooklyn alt comedy scene. I'm a rich white lady through and fucking through. I love and, it. I mean, what am I gonna do? Pretend I'm fucking not? This is the right. reality. So yeah. um, I have the opposite experience. Like my parents started. I mean, my father started his own company. My mom supported for years and years and years. But it was, and I think, because I've talked to people who have grown up middle, lower middle, lower class, whatever, like all walks of life. And in, I think beyond the uh, like privilege and sort of, um, what's the word, safety blanket that, mm -hmm. uh, or safety net that um, wealth allows you of like, you can try something and fuck up and, and it's not going to end in you being like homeless. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, beyond that, you're also when you're in a, a wealthier class, you have access to more education. You have uh, role models who like are building businesses and taking like calculated risks. Mm -hmm. It's actually a um, this mindset. The, the, the mindset is a privilege that I didn't realize. Like I, you know, I was like, I'm going to move to New York again, like financially I'm backed, but also like people a lot of people would be like that's scary that's intimidating you're just going to move to this city and then it's like i'm going to work in fashion again like that's crazy that's a very competitive um industry and intimidating and then i'm going to do comedy 
it never occurred to me that these are risky, very risky endeavors um, mm. because I was always my parents, both of them built their wealth, built their wealth on their own. They weren't like, mm-hmm. you know, they're boomers. So they were set. My dad was in finance again, like <laughs> really great time, right time, right place. But like this mentality of like, if you want something big, you have to think big and take risks and yeah. like go for it. That is a, an attitude, which is the attitude of the elites. Yes. Right. Right. Like is. they yeah. want something and they take it. And so I've always carried that around with me and you know, you make stupid decisions, but I think the net gain is always more because, because you may fail in certain ways. Again, uh, I don't have, a, like, I'll never be homeless, but I, you know, I've eaten beans for many meals a day, you know, <laughs> I was I, waiting to see what was on the other side of that. Well, well, but you know, I've had, but I, 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 I have I've been something farting 24 yeah, hours I mean, straight. Me, me and Emily have had scary <laughs> moments where Definitely. Like, how are we going to make mu- like, you know, yeah, it's a, it is scary, but but I think you're right about like this idea of a company is going to look after me and mm-hmm. I'm going to work there my whole life and stuff. The workforce is just not like that, and everything is so temporary. No one wants to give you insurance. Like no. her and I have this, and as we've worked together, every step of the way, we we expect other people to like work on the level and um and like show up in the way that we show up and constantly it's just like <laughs> what the fuck are all these idiots like that's another yeah. thing it's like yeah. yeah we're surrounded by idiots so it was like okay i can rely on you you can rely on me you know um we're gonna make shit happen on our on our own and and there are great rewards to that yeah and i mean I kind of similar like I was always taught that if I cared about something and I wanted to do something I you know I was completely allowed to explore that and allowed to put whatever I had into it it was never like like I had friends who graduated high school and their parents told them okay you need to go to business school mm-hmm. or you you right. know you need to get this degree you need to think about your future yeah I literally do I never had that conversation with my parents right. yeah, hell yeah. Right. and I think it's because my parents are just um well your dad is a music <laughs> my producer. dad's a music producer and his I didn't know that I never knew that Emily oh yeah oh the cool That's pretty Sorry. sick I'm such a Emily's dad stand she's obsessed with him she like wants to fuck him and have her adopt him he, uh, he, nice. he signed the pixies that sounds right. healthy it's great yeah <laughs> he did and um yeah he he signed like a bunch of alternative rock groups in the 90s like that okay. are pretty influential because that was you know, the time period that he came up in. But um, but then he started producing and now he works for himself. And so seeing that I was kind of it was always kind of an option that yeah, I could right. do something creative and it wouldn't be judged or like it was it was tangible. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But at the same time, they my parents also never like they were never like, okay, you want to do this. We're going to put you up in this apartment or sure, right. we're going to help right. you. Like there was never any kind of assistance like that, but they well, don't really believe in me that much. But and that, that was the hilarious thing when we, I, I remember hearing stories once we had like been around the scene in New York doing stand up and stuff. Uh, yeah. I remember hearing stories that like Nick Kroll and John Mulaney, like Nick Kroll's dad, yeah, Nick Kroll's so wealthy. Yeah, they're so wealthy. They, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure his dad owns a bunch of private prisons, and John Mulaney's oh, parents are like oh, high-powered wild. lawyers. So I, I used to hear all these stories because they were like, they were 
they were getting famous around yeah. the time that we were starting. Yes. Yeah. So like we're starting and they're like slowly blowing up. Sure. And people are just like people knew people in the scene like knew these guys, you know. Yeah. And I remember hearing stories that they were like, yeah, uh, Nick Kroll's parents like paid for a, like an apartment for them to just like go and sit and like yeah. write all day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like yeah, to have I mean, that safety net must yes. be insane. I mean, it must be fucking sweet. And yeah. I, I would take it if it was offered to me, but yeah. they, that just wasn't the case. But I think a no. lot of those comments come from jealousy. You know, yeah. when, when people see that other because people... Because you take it too. That's what right. I'm that, you would right. take it you in would a heartbeat. T- you would take it too. It's, and, yeah. and would also, you though? What? I would. I'm yes. saying I would. Yes, yeah. of course I would. I lived in squalor for years. I ate butter sandwiches. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. And I would okay, take them fair. on the train and go to my nannying job and like have these kids snatch part of my butter sandwich and it would right. piss me I off. I forgot about the butter And sandwich. I'd be hungry yeah. for the rest of the day. Okay. <laughs> That's one of the funniest like, things, the butter it, sandwich. A butter, when you are eating nice butter, butter sandwiches, sandwich. that's my intent. <laughs> Mike, if you took me to an Italian dinner at that time, I would have been with you forever because I literally couldn't afford anything else. But you'd be looking wait, at the menu like, I... "Where are the butter sandwiches? Where are they? Yeah, That's yeah. all I can digest spaghetti. now." What's spaghetti? <laughs> Where's the butter? But but yeah, I mean, like, not everybody who's born wealthy ends up successful. I mean, no. look at like right. half of celebrities' kids, like Hollywood yeah. kids, who end up doing nothing with their lives. Well, like, yeah, it's not guaranteed that you're gonna be super famous i think that those comments are coming from jealousy which i get because i'm jealous too well that's the fine that's the fine line see there's there's this level there's wealthy people and we know them in the comedy scene who have very little talent but they are very connected mm-hmm. and they're like sharks just in the right way mm-hmm. and they get some heat but also like the thing there is like okay they're taking this lane right now and it's for xyz reason you don't that's nothing to do with you. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like people are like this, this person's fucking, yeah, they are. And they're going to do it. But then also like, and they're going to get ahead. Like they, they will get ahead quicker than you. Sure. But that has to be backed by talent exactly. or else it's not going to go anywhere or maybe it will. But it, it, again, it has nothing to do with you. Yes. And like I fucking these goddamn book Bushwick communists and God bless them. <laughs> they've been in and out of my pussy for years and like and they're not wrong on like a societal level, like the the fucking, you know, the the gap the, the gap between the wealthy and the poor in this country is criminal. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's all it's the entire system. It's criminal. So you have the absolute right to be like, this is an incredibly unfair system that we're in world that we're in. I'm not denying that fact. But like, I see some of these motherfuckers, especially in the comedy scene, who like, I'm like, you're drunk every time I see you. You haven't <laughs> written a new joke in five years. You run yeah. a horrible bar show and you're mm-hmm. just like, it, these fucking trust fund. I'm like, if you had a trust fund, you would just be drunker and exactly. still unsuccessful. Right. Like, right. don't well- for a second fool with me that like you have what it takes but it's just money that's holding you back right right because money you not having money isn't keeping you from from being consistent yes or writing more or working harder yeah and now i sound like an asshole but like that's just but i'm talking about we know exactly it's we know exactly who we're talking yeah yes yeah 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 but if we're keeping it like general workforce so now that 40 is sort of we're not that close to 40 i mean i'm we're closer to 40 than 20 yeah yeah Yeah. um the thing that is fascinating to me is is just sort of like the um 
the uh, the work habits of the people that I knew when I was in my earlier twenties who were in their forties. Like when we were working at the the radio station uh, yeah. at Cumulus when I was producing for you guys, I think back to some of the people that work worked there at the yeah. time. Not everybody, but there is there is a handful of forty year olds, forty five year olds, whatever. Well, we where you you walk down the hall and you see them or you interact with them and you're just like, this person is not qualified to do anything. They don't know what they're talking <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah. Well that yeah, that like happens also. That happens also that like you just you wonder to yourself, how have you kept this job yeah. for thirty years? Seniority. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. But the, the I feel like the like the the counter to that is our generation, again, one of the bad raps that we get with 40 coming, you know, people don't necessarily have this extensive work experience because there's been a lot of fucking dumb internships and entry people stay at entry level jobs yeah. for too long or whatever. And there's also, I think there's a lot of people that just like take these long breaks in their work life. Yeah. You know, they just, they'll go away for a couple of years and then you'll see, they'll come back and they'll be like, yeah, man, I was like, I was in Alaska for a little bit. Sure. And I went to Bali for a little bit. Like it's almost like this very odd mix of having a sort of like boomer upbringing, like uh-huh. an eighties upbringing. Like where I deserved it's like, this. Cause I saw that my parents had it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like mixing that with like the beat, or hippie lifestyle in a way yeah. where it's like we, we're kind of doing this hybrid thing where we're mixing both of them, yeah. which is bizarre to me. I always thought this was weird because I have like I have a like an immigrant work ethic. Yeah. Where it's just like is work, 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 work. A fucking animal in terms. Of, yeah. I don't know. Like, I'm, <laughs> and, I'm always like, I have a crazy work ethic. And then you meet Mike and I'm like, Whoa, OK, that's <laughs> very flattering. Yeah, Andrew, no, it's you work very hard too. Thank you. But like the idea, I would see all these people on Instagram and stuff like that traveling going all these places and it would kind of shock me and blow my mind to the degree where i would just be like i I don't really understand like (laughs) hey why do you feel the need to go to asia Mm because it's like i I don't really i never understood it yeah (laughs) but uh but i don't know like like so uh women excluded because obviously a big chunk of this article was about um, how much people you know, women hate women being who discriminated age. against? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but is there something to the idea that at forty you get a little complacent and maybe you aren't? At, you are in this like in between where you're not great at your job anymore because you've been there for a while. You're really comfortable. You're not as hungry as the younger people that are trying to learn and get better. Maybe a little and out of touch. Yeah, a little out of touch. Right. Uh, what do you think? Is there? Because again, keeping in mind some of the people that we've met in our journey, mm-hmm. I, that yeah. doesn't. It's not crazy to me to think like that. Well, I don't think that I don't think our generation is going to age the same way as our parents Mm. or even in between. Like my older sister is I didn't even realize she was a millennial until I read that article. I always thought she was in a different category. She was born in 83. Mm -hmm. But Mm. um, but she is not the same creature that I am. She doesn't know how to use the interwebs the way that I do. Yeah. It's right, not right. the sensibilities are What's not the tic-tac? same. Tack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fresh maker. Yeah. Um <laughs> we're not gonna age like I see my peers right now. None of us look 30. Yeah. Like that's true. Out of the three yeah. of us, like we all look good as hell. Yeah. We have anti-aging <laughs> skincare, yeah. okay, yeah. which is huge. We know not to go in yeah. the sun, yeah. so we all yeah. look fantastic. But I think we're all also mentally aging different because of all the technology we have. We also have and, responsibility too. A lot of us, mm. like we don't have kids. A lot of us, yeah, that's part of it too. We young. have kids later. Yeah, yeah. You ever see like a yearbook uh, from like 
1968 and everybody is graduating high school and they look like they're like going into a senior home yeah it's insane <laughs> it's terrible it's absolutely insane <laughs> yeah yeah i mean so this phrase uh, has come from came from when i worked with another podcast but it was a shorthand that we used for comedians in their 40s which kind mm. of like encapsulates exactly what you're saying and we would say that person's like a sorry you're 40 person and mm-hmm. what we mean by it is like there are people in their 40s who absolutely are like so in tune with everything. You know what I mean? Like there's also like we look at comedians in their 40s. I I think comedians actually are their best probably like 10, 15 years in sort of around that age. Like they're so mm. good at their craft. They have a complete understanding of the world. They have a voice. They're super sharp. They're like mature, like so more confident, more confident. Yeah. Have so much stayed time. So I do think like. 40, I think, is a great age for a comedian's. I mean, obviously, people, a 40-year-old woman people are shittier about, but that's my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. So being 40 and an entertainer, I don't think it, make, it makes you weaker. I think it makes you stronger. That being said, the, around that age, comedians either decide to continue to do a good job to to like change with the times to stay in touch with their peers and connected to the world and like evolve or they dig their heels in and they fuck at that PC culture. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like they yeah, take yeah, yeah, this yeah, yeah. yeah. Get bitter. bitter. Exactly. And like it's yeah. a, as soon as even a tinge of that bitterness starts to show people don't want to be around you because you're yeah, old yeah in your attitude and your vibe it's like you interact with it and it's like these fucking bit and you're like get out of here you're a bad hang you're not like relevant you don't seem to understand how things work like it truly is um you know like this podcast that i worked with there were comedians that they had on in their 20s 30s who were like regulars on the show and then as like things became more digital and comedy became more inclusive, they would come on these shows and they would come back and be like crotchety old men. Like it would be like, who the fuck? What do you like? You don't have any, you don't have an interesting perspective on any of this stuff. You don't, um, you don't seem to like understand the full scope of things again. Like you said, it's like, what's TikTok? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you don't know how the world works. And I do think you have to work harder to, to keep relevant as a person who's older just because you're not around young people all the time. But you can absolutely, there can be a middle ground where like you still are like a mature, you know, smart, accomplished person, but also understand that you have to put effort in to continue to be relevant and interesting. Sure. Because those those people, those sorry, you're 40 people had the advantage when they were younger because they were interesting just because they were young. But now you're not. 25 you're not full of potential so fucking figure it out sorry you're 40 but how how nice is it to be full of potential (laughs) sure (laughs) nice no (laughs) what a feeling feeling. yeah (laughs) to go like you guys wait until someday Uh and you're gonna see and then someday comes (laughs) and you you don't nothing to show for it (laughs) yeah i mean i have young comic friends right now who are like i got plenty of time and i'm like "Mm." TikTok. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Until you wake up and you yeah. don't. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe you should spend a little more time writing, a little less time doing shots. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. No, I feel you. All right. Last thing before we move on to the next story here. Uh discrimination within 
even let's just say the entertainment industry because it's what you guys are a part of. Uh, do you feel more age discrimination or do you feel more gender discrimination? Do you think Currently? from your personal experience? Yeah, overall, and you're ex- like since you've been doing this. gender, gender, but we're also young yeah. and vibrant, full of cum. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've definitely felt like people either spoke to me differently or, um, yeah, treated us differently yeah. than our male counterparts. And one of that, one of those experiences was was at the company that you mentioned earlier. Um, but, mm. but. Is he My, the company I, I mentioned? mentioned or, or, oh yeah, he oh, mentioned it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. At yeah, the company sure. that we used to work with. Uh huh. Re- oh, uh-huh. I, I know. Yeah. What you're talking um, about. Yeah, okay. Where you know there were. Was it on the way out? Yes. <laughs> pretty oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much on the okay. way out. Yeah. But you know, some comments like about our show being too dirty and um, like right. our content needed to be different. But meanwhile, there were male podcasters on the exact same network that whose content were just as filthy. Honestly, more. Yeah. Like if I had to. And say. the radio networks and all that stuff. It, that I I can tell you that there was absolutely a double standard in how. Oh yeah. Did we had a morning show in New York. On, at that at I'll just say cumulus sure so hell yeah at, I don't even they're, they're like going bankrupt so it doesn't matter I love it are burn they? they're bankrupt burn they've like been again, bankrupt they're, but like they're going always, more yeah, bankrupt yeah I know that yeah, yeah. never not bankrupt uh, <laughs> never not bankrupt NMB. they uh they um there we had a there where there was a morning show that we had in New York that was absolutely just as as crass on terrestrial radio and it was two like older guys and it was it was like fine sure. it was considered right. like yeah like fun and funny and like uh cutting the cut promos of when this guy just said he called this- you know farted in his wife's mouth or something exactly. and you're just like okay great the you got it boss let me get on that well, yeah. so i do feel for you guys on that yeah respect. so like i mean personally i dealing with that was super shocking for me because again when you're when you have your own business and you're creating your own content if it's content driven then it's like you don't have to answer to anybody so you don't Mm -hmm. if there is discrimination a lot of the time I don't see it Mm -hmm. but in that situation I did see it and then you know in definitely in comedy I would have people say you know you're not a comedian or Mm. um you know just especially because we were podcasters when we started that too yeah but but then like what's this thing also just just you know generally belittle me in ways that I didn't see happening to other to men who are on my level yeah um yeah but I haven't experienced age discrimination yet yeah yet sure I mean I think too uh it's interesting right now what's happened okay it's going to be like well when are you going to be satisfied but here we go okay so within the recent wave of like (laughs) pushing for um marginalized voices to have more play and stuff you know there's been a big Mm -hmm. sea change in comedy in the last few years and everyone's been fucking screaming their heads off about it both sides you know there there had to be an effort to book more women people of color lgbtq like it was such a slanted landscape before i mean i only started when it was still like we would sometimes be the only women at mics or shows you know there were like shows where it was like oh we got to get a woman and you know what i mean like it's crazy to think that we started when the environment was like that so i'm very glad that there's been a push to sort of like even it out 
Um, that being said, it's like I get this sort of nasty feeling whenever I get an opportunity based off of my gender or sexuality, whatever people are kind of like, you only got that because you're, and it's like, that's true. People get mad. Yeah. And I'm like, then what? Because again, like if you go back to like, people are mad that someone's rich and they, and they have like financial support from your family. It's like, you would take anything like this is such a competitive industry. If, 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 because someone wants to fuck me, I'm getting booked. I don't care. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) I'm moving with this system. Currently the system seems to, at least from the industry side, be a little bit in my favor. And there, or or like, say I'm using Instagram and posting pictures of my bodies and my bodies, my body, and I'm getting more follows, (laughs) but it's like, sorry, this is, I am, I am an industrious shark and I will do anything I can to succeed. And if you got a problem with that, then suck my prick. Like, I don't care. You would do the same thing. You would do the same thing. Of course. Everyone everyone fucking has values and I want to do it the right. What are you talking about? This is the entertainment business. This isn't fucking law school. It's a fucking bullshit networking. Also, I'm sorry. It would be a crime for you to not show that ass. Thank you. It would be like that should Uh, be illegal. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it is illegal. My favorite Instagram of all time hot ass cold cuts <laughs> is an Andrea Allen throwback and, if you, if you haven't Andrea checked Allen it out I don't post breakup <laughs> yeah project one of, one of my biggest <laughs> biggest psychotic breaks from reality but yes I do sense this like there is this animosity toward, towards like women and queer people and sometimes there's shows that are just women and queer people or whatever there's these spaces now that have been carved out particularly for that and people are irritated by it and i'm like why do you care this isn't your audience anyways like just like i'm not getting booked on legion of skanks you're not getting booked on like i don't think so honey like this is not about what what's happening right now is that caught comedy is being opened up for multiple types of audiences and you might not think like hashtag women jokes are funny because they don't apply to your life yeah so it's not like Again, you, this road hack. But again, we are 50% of the population. So it's like, yeah, I, I, it's that's like niche. <laughs> that, that, it's not a niche. That That's why I get annoyed when people are like, oh, oh women, women comics. They're always talking about their periods. Because first of all, I don't like... I know a lot of female comics. I maybe know one who has like a period bit that they do continuously. Sure, me. <laughs> no, you, do, you don't have a period I bit. have a bit about like how much I hate my pussy, uh, but bleeding different, and infected. Different, different, yeah. different. Tomato, yeah. tomato. But, but what I'm saying is uh, 50% of the people Correct. sitting in the yeah. audience are going to think that's hilarious and relatable and whatever. So why are you mad? You're just mad that it's not just for you anymore right right yeah right yeah and that's like in terms of comedy stuff that has always been there's some stuff that yeah it's not going to be for exactly you you know why would i laugh at a period joke i don't you've never bleed out your blood out your pussy right yeah Yeah, that i know you live a blessed blessed life it's a fucking nightmare (laughs) you imagine if i was a man do you know how much money i would have right now if i was a man I would be unstoppable. You'd, you'd be like in office already, I think. <laughs> I'd be like a Tilla the so Han. charismatic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on mm-hmm. to the next story here. This is from Vox Magazine, also December of 2020. How Millennials Became the Burnout Generation. So 
This is actually primarily an interview with author Anne Helen Peterson. Uh, she has a book that she wrote. It's called Can't Even, How Millennials Became the Burnout Generation. I can't us. wait to read this book. I just found this interview. Uh-huh. Uh but there's a lot of good information that she brought up. Uh, let me read a couple of the, the polls here from this sure. interview. Uh, the sort of burnout Peterson describes goes beyond more exhaustion, which is at least fleeting. If you're truly burned out, there's no escape. It's what happens when you live without any margin for error, when you're always one accident or illness away from mm. bankruptcy or eviction. Mm-hmm. Living so close to ruin saps the joy from nearly everything because there's no security and no peace of mind. Here's a quote from Anne specifically. Burnout is the feeling that you've hit the wall exhaustion-wise, but then have to scale the wall and just keep going. There's no catharsis, no lasting rest, just this background hum of exhaustion. Mm -hmm. It manifests in not being able to make the sort of decisions you actually want to make. My classic example, example is that you're so tired, you just scroll Instagram instead of reading the book that you legitimately want to read, and everything in your life flattens into one endless, ever-recycling to-do list that you just feel like you have to get through so that you can do the next thing on the list. Things that should feel good or joyful or restful, like vacation, just like another thing to get, just feel like another thing just feel like another thing to get through because everything is work and work is everything. Uh, so my first question, cause you guys were talking about uh, burnout before we even started this mm-hmm. thing and we can pick that up. Uh, how often do you feel this? Because I can tell you having worked, you know, even regular media jobs, even up until my last media job, I felt, I mean, I'm still recovering from this burnout. I'm still trying <laughs> yeah. to get my yeah. equilibrium back to some sort of like, normal mental state that isn't just you know straight up constant panic yeah. that i have forgotten to do something you know sunday nights would come around and i would lay in bed with an eye open thinking like did i do this did i do this did i do yeah. this and get six hours or five hours of sleep Wait, because man. i would just be laying there like waking up like oh, didn't edit the wedding podcast i didn't edit. <laughs> God, uh, what, a, what a horrible <laughs> thing to have a panic attack over a wedding <laughs> podcast i know trust me it was a nightmare but uh i have felt this and i i mean i have felt this for i would say more years than not since i have been in the workforce do you guys feel the same way or no um yeah i mean now i choose my schedule which is huge Mm -hmm. um and that's how i can keep from from burning out and feeling that way i also have a partner a fantastic one hey baby that helps me but (laughs) i used to work at a catering company Mm. for a few years and it was a very low-paying job um i think when i started i was making about i think twenty six thousand, and no medical benefits how old were you? Uh, I was, Can yeah, I, I was 22 or 23. And, okay. um, oh, and five days off a year, including sick days. Um, yeah, it was really Christ. like abusive and yeah. it, was, it was a small company. Um, eventually the, eventually they did offer medical insurance, but it wasn't good. And there were more days off, but not very many. And I know that that's, yeah. you got seven. Yeah, no, I, like literally I got 10. <laughs> um, but I know that it's not like that for everybody. It obviously depends on the type of company you work at. Um, If you go corporate, then you get more benefits and more protection and paid more usually, whatever. But that was my experience. And I would see people come in through the door um, for like an entry level job and they would train them for three months. And then as soon as their time started kicking in, 
they would fire them. And I would see it happen over and over and over again. And I don't think that was a unique experience. I think it happens at every company. It goes back to what we were talking about before, where like it used to be that you could start at the bottom of a company and work your way up and stay there for your entire life and end up making really good money and building a life for yourself. But I don't think we live in that culture anymore. So for me, it was like, I was burnt out, but I was burnt out for like $700 a week. Like Mm -hmm. I was burnt out for no reason. Mm -hmm. And for some reason I was brainwashed into thinking I had to work so, so, so hard, but I wasn't getting anything out of it. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us fall into that trap because employers treat you like just giving you a job is a privilege. It is a privilege to be able to have a job Mm -hmm. in, you know, our modern day situation. Yeah. But they, so they use that as an excuse to just take advantage of you. Yeah. And you're replaceable and you know, underlying. And they're constantly reminding you that you're replaceable. Yeah. 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 So that was my entire experience. And I don't, I don't think it's unique. No. And also like I grew up in Canada, uh, which is a much, I was, I was going to ask you about this, but I'm glad you got Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a much more socialist country than the United States. Make no mistake. It is still a, very much a capitalist society with with all of the you know different tiers and elites that have way more and less than and there's racism there's classism all of those things exist but not america i mean people in america everyone's like five days away from just like blowing up their (laughs) office space i know know what i mean and like (laughs) yes it's it's because this complete the distribution of wealth in this country is bonkers. This is not, this is like yeah. a modern, I don't even know, techno fascist. Like this is not quality yeah. of life. Well, The other aspect yeah. is uh, the, the, the culture in America. Absolutely. Uh, we, we have a lot of leeway for businesses to treat people yes. shitty. And I think that there is this, like, if you're, if you're a poor person, mm-hmm. There's a there's a point where in your life you sort of empathize with rich people because you think that you might be of a course, rich person the at American some point. Dream. And right, it's almost like people think that there's this like running record of them saying like, well, like sure, I was a good yeah, boy yeah, yeah, when yeah, I was yeah. 20 and I was like very forgiving of the fact that I paid my dues and I did what I had to do and then like I learned how to exploit people by being exploited and then I stopped getting exploited and exploited the other yes. person and now I'm a success. Yeah. You once, know? When, sorry, I, go ahead. I was just going to say I don't know that that it's necessarily like that in all the parts no, of the world. No, not like, even close. Maybe us. China, maybe like I mean, sure. China. I mean, China's up to up to no good. Um, yeah. Well, Japan has a particularly horrendous work uh, culture. Yeah, like they. I, right. I forget what this word is. I maybe I'll look it up. But there, there's a term that they have in Japan to describe this phenomenon that men in their fifties actually even earlier like 40s and 50s are just suddenly dropping dead having heart attacks and having strokes and it's it's from overwork yeah i mean when i when i worked with like asian factories and stuff um when i was working in fashion the ones overseas and even the ones that work domestically but were like owned by a like there's like korean they're chinese whatever the like some of them would sleep in their office. Like there was like, mm-hmm. like, yes. like the a train. little cot. Yes. Yes. Like you could reach them at any hour of the day. It's insane. 
It's fucking insane. Yeah. Well, where does it end though? And here's the thing. I think you're right about this like good boy attitude. And it's also mm-hmm. like when you spend, you know, oppressor is a big word that we're using right now. Also as like a white person, I don't want to say oppressor, but like, you know, <laughs> but, but if, if you're someone who is living to service the elite or, or is like around the oppressor long enough, you do start to become the, you know what I mean? You learn how they yeah. move and how they behave and your goal is, and that's out of a survival. Like people want power, want to feel a sense of power mm-hmm. over their life. And they see people that have that. It's very natural to be like, okay, you have that. I want that. You know what I mean? It's, it's, right. it's not right now. The American public is, frightened you know it's it's like you're cornering you're cornering people you're taking away all of their uh, like safety nets i mean so when i say like when i grew i grew up in canada again incredibly privileged but even so like the idea like medical bills like when i moved to new york i'm like wait you're sending me a medical bill after the fact for like hundreds of dollars like what are you what what you know and like yeah there's just there's there are um, social support systems built into the fabric of the society as there should be. These countries have massive wealth. It is a fucking joke that there are not like expansive systems in education and healthcare and like, you know, food, everything, all of this. Well, it's because we're so obsessed with wealth and we're so greedy. I mean, and when I say we, I mean, you know, the 1% yes. <laughs> is so greedy that because if you've ever seen the movie um, Sicko, it's a Michael Moore documentary. Um, I have not seen it's it. It's about... But- that's the one that he did it, about yeah, it's healthcare, about healthcare right? and it's a, it's about yeah. like uh people who have insurance but they still can't afford their medical bills and whatever and at um right. one point in the movie he goes to london and he interviews a doctor in london i think he's like a, a surgeon like mm. a really successful doctor and you know he lives in a really nice flat mm-hmm. in london he has a bmw just one oh poor him yeah. uh-huh. just one bmw yeah. for him and his family and he's happy and I, I feel like Imagine we've that. gotten to a place where, you know, doctors need to be making millions of dollars yeah. or else go fuck yourself. When really, if we just redistributed some of that wealth, we could all be happy. Yeah, well. And then the issue starts becoming now. It's like a lot of this stuff, you can get away with a lot of it for a period of time when life is at least OK. Sure. But it's right now, it's now. like. Yeah. Yeah. The issue is that there's so many people that don't have jobs, so many people that are not insured and and we're literally in a pandemic that I think that there are so many people that are now just like, oh, fucking businessmen, like fucking tech companies, all these fucking people making all this money. And it's like like because I don't know how you feel, but like as somebody that now is like, you know, trying to really. Uh, monitor my my spending oh. to make sure I can pay rent during this yeah. chaos. Yeah. Like I'm I'm a bit um, resentful of the people that are taking helicopters and yes. going places and traveling and like whatever Absolutely. during all this stuff. It's Especially like, when you turn on fucking fuck TLC and you see Kelly Ripa on there being like, "We're all in this together," and she's in her pool. Yeah. Fucking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if we're right. all in this together, then have me over. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I want to yeah. go swimming. Yeah. Drop some food off, yeah. Kelly. Well, that's the thing. It's it's become 
here's the thing this pandemic has exacerbated a system already that has been falling apart it's escalated it in a sense and it's just so glaring like it could not be more glaring that this government and the elites in this country don't give a fuck about the common man or whatever it's so yeah you have to be an idiot to somehow believe that they're on your side and that they're not just like totally. sucking the everything they can from you. And you know, it's like, yeah, people are going to go crazy. People are going to go crazy. This is what yes. happens when you take away people's livelihoods. And it's right. just, it couldn't be more obvious. And, you know, even, even like my Canadian friends, my friends who live in the UK, whatever, all these things, New Zealand, They've been like calling me during and being like, what the fuck is happening in America? Because it's so it's so bizarre because America is is still in terms of a military standpoint, the most powerful country. It's still regarded as number one. And yet these citizens have nothing like it's such a a stark contrast of this superpower. It is classic. It is classic end of an yes. empire textbook. Yeah. Like this is always how it goes. And it's always the Roman yeah. Empire. It's like they were conquering yeah. shit. Meanwhile, it's like like empires always fall from yeah. within. And I think that we're kind of we're we're at the where we've we have long past the oh, apex sure. of America. Oh. As far as I'm I, the I as 90s, far as I can tell, Bill you know? Clinton was getting sucked off. Everyone yeah. was Make America yeah. great again, <laughs> am I right? <laughs> Yeah, to when Clinton was getting sucked off. The the golden age. But I do think, um, you know, you said something about like this doctor just has, you know, an appropriate amount of wealth. Yeah. There's this there's this idea that if I I need to grab all this wealth because there's only a finite amount of it, which is what we've been brainwashed to believe that there's a finite amount of wealth and, um, you know, resources. There's actually plenty, you know. But um, this scarcity mentality of there's only so much. So you take what you can take and and don't give it to anyone else because then you're not going to have it anymore. It couldn't be further from the truth. We could distribute it in a very even way in which everyone would have like a quality of life and stuff. But it's it's in the claws of a certain amount of group of people. And the idea is like either get into that group and be treated like a human being or, you know, be amongst the be, be amongst pig. the serfs <laughs> yeah just duking yeah. it out for antibiotics totally <laughs> yeah it's like a caste uh, system it is yeah yeah it's not totally a democracy do you guys have a obviously like emily you were just talking about the um the catering mm-hmm. company that you worked for for a while but do you have a like a, a burnout low point where you just like hit a low point and you're just like fuck what am i doing because I, I have had i think i've had several i've seen them i, I know that you nice have italian dinner yeah i know you guys have definitely <laughs> seen them i i think that there was a period when we were working together on on uh on hot mess when we mm-hmm. were at cumulus obviously i was producing your show and like i don't know how 20 yeah the mike produced the 45 time. podcasts i i don't remember if it was with you guys or there was another like podcast with women that i was working on really? where i actually they were recording the show and i think i fell asleep like laying on my back <laughs> in the studio and they like woke me up they were like we're done <laughs> don't think that was us I, we would have we would have definitely drawn a dick on yeah, your face 100%. if you fell asleep yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i don't think it That's was hilarious. us but i have no problem believing that because you always looked like you Hell. were about to fall over yeah 
I just remember it being like like I so the other podcast that had to have been my the other Andrea in my life, Andrea mm-hmm. Melky, who like they, they were doing their show and I remember them I remember them going in and recording and I literally slept through the entire thing and I they were just like, Okay, like uh we're gonna leave, but thanks for everything. Like I just and I was making such yes, shitty money. Yeah. My health insurance was yeah. bad again, mm-hmm. like you were saying at the catering company. But and but that's not even like I've had other burnout moments when I was like working retail in my early twenties or in college or stuff where I was just like I used to work at um Swiss Army store. It was uh Victorinox. <laughs> I'm sorry, like what? The, the brand. what? Yeah, no Swiss hey, Army can I knives. Tell you I know what they are. I didn't really <laughs> I throw hey, a little sausage hey, in the it's mix. Good for stabbing Puerto Ricans. <laughs> I haven't seen a Swiss Army knife store. Well, I've well, to be fair, I haven't been in a mall in like 20 years, but they don't do it they exist an outlet. anymore? Outlet. Oh, you they don't. They there was the like outlet. Yeah, wow. I was working at the at the outlets in New Jersey and I I took that job cuz it paid like a dollar more than Banana <laughs> yeah. Republic sure. or wherever sure. I was working. And you get to play with and, knives. Uh, yeah. You get to play with knives, but nobody ever came in. So I like you're supposed. It's like half commission. So I kept, oh, shit. I kept telling myself like, oh, I'll just make some uh-huh. sales and I'll. But nobody ever came in the store because like we sold knives, like Swiss Army yeah. knives. We sold kitchen mm. knives. Um, we sold suitcases. <laughs> we sold watches. Like we sold this all is the this most, like, like I'm a magician and I sell merch on the side. Oh ridiculous i never once made a sale like it just like it nobody was walking in and buying a 400 hundred dollar suitcase they at an outlet mall no unless you no it doesn't doesn't matter how good the quality was but like if you were shopping if you were like foreign like you already had a suitcase you didn't need a suitcase but regardless like i remember having moments where it was a terrible yeah retail is rough like i honestly Let's just pour one out for all the retail workers who Dude. have been going strong during Seriously. this pandemic, Fuck. especially. It is not easy. People are really fucking rude. Um, Horrible. Yeah. And I've worked retail jobs. I worked at a fish market when I was in high school. That's a bad it one. It wasn't great. And people would abuse me also because I was, you know, this 15 year old girl cutting salmon, probably really not expertly mm-hmm. um and- i want to combine both <laughs> your jobs he's selling suitcases you're cutting salmon and then we ship the salmon yeah um, <laughs> i using the swiss army knife to cut the salmon but yeah I, I did that and that was really hard i also worked at an evening gown store which <laughs> i actually really loved that job because i worked with like basically all girls that were going to the prom so i I found okay. it really, really satisfying to make a sale to them because I had graduated high school at this point and I um, I went to my prom, but um, I-, I asked a boy to the prom and he said no. Same. So um, when these girls would come in and they were so pretty <laughs> and they would try on their dresses and stuff, I kind of like would put on this face kind of like code switching of being like, I'm your friend and I'm going to sell you this expensive dress. But I wasn't really their friend, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. You were undercover. I get you. <laughs> You had yes. ulterior yes. motives. I think my biggest, yeah. I mean, I burnt out so many times. Um, I think my, so again, because I'm a hashtag white immigrant, um, I had work mm. visas for all these jobs that I worked in fashion. I mean, I worked in about three different companies and I was, you know, I'm a very loyal and, you know, I'm a good little employee too. I worked at all of them 
probably up to like four years or something or three or four each. And um, specifically, um, the first one was like a very small high end designer. And they did this thing. Mm. And like Emily kind of touched on it before with these companies where it's like, they kind of treat you like we're family and we're all in this together. And like, this isn't a company. This is, we're all, heard that we're that's all. the other side of it. That's really yeah. actually fucked up because yeah. they tell you that you're a family, but they don't treat you well. No, no. It's, it's, I would no. disown my family they, they, they if they treated me like this. <laughs> it's a ploy right. to get you to feel like you're an investor in this company. You know what I mean? Like if we succeed, yeah. you succeed, but it's like, PS you're fired. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, PS health. And- How much equity do I yeah. have in your company? Again? Exactly. Zero. Oh, okay. Yeah. But so I worked for these small companies and they knew that they had me by the balls in the sense that I also have a work visa. So if I get fired from this right. job, I also can't live in New York city. Um, so there's definitely mm-hmm. people are taking advantage and, and I was very good at my job. So I was capable of punching way above my weight class in terms of my responsibilities, which was then used against me because like essentially like by the end of my first job, I was like basically a director. I was a director, which would be the title that I would have. But because the boss above me had quit to go to another company and instead of Mm -hmm. hiring someone else to help me run the department, they just were like, you do it because we can't afford someone. So now meaning we're not going to pay you. So we do this. We're not a job. (laughs) We're not giving you a title change. We're not giving you a raise. And now you run this whole department on your own. So basically you're, you know, and they had like consultants come in. That was also insulting when they would like bring consultants in. I hate consultants. I hate consultants. If you're a consultant, you're a fucking rat you're a fucking rat you're a professional rat have fun wasting your sham of a life yes. telling other people how to do things you, that you don't know how to do yourself right i always thought that about consultants too if you knew how to do yes, this you would just exactly. do this it's why, a why, bullshit you know? operation <laughs> it's it's what companies do when they're not run, good at running businesses and it's like let's throw some money at this fucking freak so so they would bring in consultants and consultants would burn out too because they're like because they, they would be like, how can we be more efficient? And they would be like, you what? You have one person running an entire department. I was running around factories all day in the garment district, nine, nine hours on my feet easily. Mm. Um, and then doing stand up at night, recording our podcast on the weekend. I, you know, I don't I barely slept. And then it's fashion. So everything's like high pressure turnarounds like deadlines you know what i mean like so important and also this like hysteria (laughs) around things that again have zero real world importance so that's another mind like someone's crying about a dress right now and i'm like i make 26k and i haven't slept in five days and you're screaming about glitter (laughs) to me and i'm i'm gonna fucking rip your head off i wear the fabric scraps (laughs) as a shirt yes I sleep. That's why Andrea wears such small shirts. Nobody ever puts that together. Yes. But there hit a point and this designer, this designer knew the thing is this designer who is now the head of an incredibly massive fashion house. Um, he knew 
he saw me going crazy. Everyone did. How could I not go crazy? You know, I saw um, you going crazy. Yeah. You saw. Yeah. You saw me kick a, a trash can on the street. Like it, I, it was not a trash can. It was a street lamp. Yeah, he's, I, I was I was out of my mind. And I remember like one day, like one thing, like a shipping thing went wrong. And I was in the streets of New York City and I called the designer and I was screaming like screaming and crying and being like, I can't do this. I don't know what, like he had to come up and help me. He's the owner of the company. He was like, I'll come up to the garment district. I'll help you like what needs to happen today. And it was like, okay, that's really nice of you for doing this in this moment. But can we talk on a grander scheme of like, how did we get here? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like how did it get to the point where I have a roll of wool on my back in the middle of the summer and I'm literally yeah. so sweaty in the in the streets of New York. Is it tears? Is it yeah. sweat? Is we it, don't know. Yeah. Is it blood from getting cut by the machines? Like, what is it? And then I remember <laughs> um, it was just it, it got to this level with that place. And I think that they they also were in like a, a desperate place uh, financially, but a headhunter who I had previously worked, who was my boss at the previous job. She brought me on to a new uh, job. She was always so cool in that way. And so when I left the company, they hired a young girl who didn't know better. That's another thing. Ageism isn't about necessarily about like, Oh, older people are older. People are not going to catch wise to your fucking scheme, you know? Right. Like young people are hungry and they have more energy and they also can be fucked over more easily. You can take advantage of them. Yeah. And they won't catch on. They won't catch on until. I do think that when you hit a certain age, the people that you're working for are your age, close to your age. And I am a lot less intimidated by somebody who is well, my you know age you're doing. than somebody who's 20 years older yes, than I am. Yes. You yeah. know what I mean? If I if I'm working for somebody who's 50, I might think like, all right, this person's been around the block, sure. they've seen whatever. But then I've been in companies before, <laughs> company yeah. where there's, you know, I'm working for somebody who is my age who I know sure. ha- doesn't have sure. the experience that I have that is telling me how to do things and it's aggravating and it, it you know, it's very hard to just take orders and be like, "Okay, you seem to know better but than you know I do." They don't. Because yeah. why? Don't right. piss on my back so, and tell me it's raining. Sorry. I'm right. an adult and I know what you're doing. So right. they hired this young, naive girl when I left and I still had friends in the company. So I would hmm. just be like, you know, and I'm not great. You oh, can still tune in for the office oh, gossip. Listen, every relationship I've left and every business I've left, I have kept my little spies <laughs> on the moles. ground you and I'm like, Oh, look at it burn to the ground. The girl who <laughs> took my job was hospitalized within two weeks. <laughs> hospitalized. Yikes. I guess she got cut by the, uh, the Well, that's the thing. That, like they, because I have an incredible work ethic when I need to, and I was also very hungry at that period of my life um, because I thought fashion was what I was going to pursue as my career. Um, yeah. They were just like, oh, people... C- People can take this. Like Andrea took it, yeah. but it's like, but you also right. saw little me. did they know. Yeah, but also you saw you you saw the emails coming from me at four a.m. I was in that office all fucking night. Right. I would go home, sleep a few hours, come back in the morning. Like you knew what was going on. So yeah, right. it, it's it, yeah. I mean, I also uh, sorry. One final mini burnout moment. This was all. This is very it's, funny. It's <laughs> what there was one day in the summer. I had like ten interns at this point to just keep this sham running, 
And I was also walking, hiring all those interns is also managing not, these interns. Yeah. They're all like fucking college students, but I needed like worker elves yeah. to keep this fucking mm-hmm. yeah. empire that I had yeah, built. Yeah. That makes her Santa. He's, oh yeah. I've, I'm, <laughs> I'm yeah, Satan Santa. Santa. And it was just a day again, like roll of fabric on my back. I le- I never wanted to make interns do like menial labor as much as I could. Cause it's so disrespectful mm-hmm. to me. So I'm like, I'll carry the fabric, whatever some lady in the garment district like went like excuse you because i was like slightly near her with this fabric and i lost my mind on in front one. of the interns in front of the interns i was like oh excuse me and then i started like coming at her with the fabric <laughs> like almost like battle ramming like i'm like you think i'm crazy yeah. you think i'm crazy <laughs> And like my and, and they're like, yeah, we all think you're yes. crazy. And my my friend, my coworker who was on the design team, had to be like Andrea, Andrea in front of the intern, Andrea, Andrea, Andrea. Like, you need to those poor interns from yes, New Jersey. See- you're probably like, oh my god, this, I'm really in it. This, this lady, your boss, who's about to fucking sodomize some woman with a silk roll because i just i had enough yeah. and her attitude and i was like oh am i in your way am i in your way i can see this all happening it was, so clearly it was pure insanity but you know burnout burn man uh all right we got one more and then we're gonna sure. be yeah. out of here uh our last story comes from the pew research center the headline as millennials near 40 another 40 God. story uh, they're approaching 32. family life differently than other generations. Now, this one is a little more dense. This doesn't have as much uh, uh, loose, freeform talking points, but there's a lot mm-hmm. of data. Let me just get through sure, it real yeah. quick, Give and us then we'll the discuss. Facts. Uh, as it turns out, only one in ten millennials live alone. Surprising oh, to some, not yeah, to me. Not to me. <laughs> yeah. One in that's ten. That's insane. Uh, that's not a lot of... That's not a lot of uh, mm-hmm. millennials. Uh, a new analysis of government data by Pew Research Center shows that millennials are taking a different path in forming or not forming families. Millennials trail previous generations <laughs> at the same spin. age across three <laughs> t- typical measures of family life, living in a family unit, marriage rates, and birth rates. The majority of millennials are not currently married, marking a significant change from past generations. Only 44% of millennials were married in 2019, compared with 53% of Gen X. 61% of boomers and 81% of silence, which people that just like didn't um, partake. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does marriage look like for millennials who have tied the knot? They're getting married later in life than previous generations. The median age at first marriage, first mm-hmm. marriage, <laughs> oh, we all know you're going to have three, in Mike. recent decades. Uh-huh. Easy. <laughs> Uh, in 2019, the average man first got married at age 30, and the average woman was 28 when she first wed. This is three years later for both men and women than in 2003, four years later than in 1987, and seven years later than in 1968. Mm-hmm. And then the last one here. Uh, as millennials delay marriage, a significant share are living with a romantic partner. In 2019, 12% of millennials were living with an unmarried partner, higher than the share of Gen Xers, which was 8%, mm. uh, who were cohabit- hab- cohabiting in 2003. 
Cohabitation is more common among millennials than Gen Xers across most racial and ethnic categories, as well as educational attainment. So we're not getting married. We are living with people for an extended period of time. Uh, and sometimes you break up and the person goes back to California and comes back and maybe goes back to California. And <laughs> That's an interesting just every episode for you. <laughs> we obviously are doing things differently. There's probably a million reasons why we're doing that. Um, in your travels and what you've seen, obviously, Emily, you live with I your do. boyfriend. Um I am alone. I live with f- uh, four men <laughs> who I'm not fucking. Uh, and uh, Andrea, you, you, well, you live, you have sure. roommates. I lived alone, but I also lived in like a weird work live space for a long time. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So what do we think? Do we think, obviously this has got to be accurate because it's statistically, uh, it's a survey from people that seem to know how to do this better than we do, but in my calculation, this all seems yeah. right to me. I, I think that, like, economically, it's it's tough for any of us to actually start a family. Uh, I don't for, know. What do you I, think? For sure. I think that we might be a little skewed because we live in New York City. I think yeah. New York City mm. is not made for single people at all. Like, it is... Money-wise. You don't money think wise. so? Oh, money-wise. Okay. It is pretty impossible Culturally, to it's live a wasteland but money wise oh yeah. yeah 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 like no no if you want to fuck <laughs> yeah you could i could tell you yeah, at right. least yeah. 60 but. places to fuck yeah. in public but yeah. <laughs> but no you can't live alone and you i mean you can't i i certainly couldn't afford this one bedroom apartment by myself but i know in other mm. cities you can um but the like people getting married later good like, yeah, I think one of the big reasons is financial reasons, because, you know, when my parents were my age, they already had two kids and, Wild. you know, put a down payment on a house and whatever. And they were able yeah. to do that. I can't have a kid because I'm not even close to being ready financially, even if that's something that I wanted right. to do right now, if I could do it financially I would have had a kid yesterday. That's why, like, I don't I don't know why people make a big deal when celebrities get pregnant, because it's like they have money. Yeah. Who cares? They could send the kid away if they want to. Yeah. Boarding school, baby. Right. But um, but if they, if yeah. they but I also it. think that covid is going to fuck with this data a lot because yeah. I personally know three different girls who have gotten in the past year have gotten married and are already pregnant. Yeah. I think something about the time we're living in right now, people are slowing down and they're putting, you know, people aren't spending as much money in certain places. So maybe Mm. they're saving it and thinking more about their future and more about, you know, Oh, maybe the simple life isn't so bad. Maybe I'll just marry this dude and have a gaggle of children. Settling. Yes. I think a lot of people it is are. I have a friend who got who told me on her wedding night that she was pregnant. Yeah. I, I mean, it's happening wow. really fast mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of spinning me out. Like it's making me think like, oh, my God. Yeah. I, I don't know when I'm going to be able to do that because financially yeah. it's impossible. Yeah. I mean, mm. I think I agree with you. It is good that people are. I mean, here's the thing about marriage. So marriage used to, again, this sounds very MAGA, but marriage used to mean something um, in like a real significant way. I mean, Mm -hmm. both me and Emily are are children of divorce, so it didn't mean that much. But like (laughs) people would stay in bad marriages out of the stigma of like being a divorced person is like was like viewed as a failure, you know, and frowned upon, um, you know, and also. I would also think it's like 
the actually having to go through a divorce. Yeah, financially also. Like I think a lot of it comes down to financials. Yes, I totally agree. Um, So, but now I don't know. I feel like I feel like in my estimation, moving it like Emily moving into this apartment with Andy, your boyfriend. Shout out to Andy. Thank you. Um, Like to me that. I know that's not marriage level, but that to me, that's a, a big commit, like blending finances in any sense of the word to me feels as large of a commitment, not as large, but like, it's a step there. Um, you know, you're testing out the idea of, and so I think that is a good thing to have some testing ground. Can we live together in a good way? Do the, does the way we manage our money make sense together? Um, oh yeah. People living together. That, that was a low percentage. I thought 12%. Yeah. It's not be very more. high. It should be more if you want to. Well, do you think though that again, we're, we're in the New York city bubble. I feel like that's very common for people that we know where it's like, basically your right. lease is up and you're just like, okay, are we yeah. moving in together? Cause yeah. I'm broke. Yeah. yeah. You know, but I can tell you my, my mom, actually, my sister has been, she just got engaged. Oh, she and her fiance are going to get married. Oh my married God. You're the in, loser kid. I guess huh? it's 2022. <gasps> I am. I'm the failure. <laughs> I'm five years older I than know, her too. That's what I'm saying. Uh, so it's what Good a disappointment. <laughs> but <laughs> there was conversation about her moving in with yeah. her boyfriend to my knowledge, at least. And my mom was like adamantly Interesting. against Yeah, it. boomer. And meanwhile, but I was allowed to, I didn't, they really ask for permission to do that, but I lived yeah. with my ex and like, it was just sort of like, we're doing this. And, <laughs> and they didn't have and, a like, problem with you it? Know. No, my mom has told me or has, I, we've talked about it in the past. My mom just sees it differently for a, a Oh, a wow. We guy. need to dissect Italians. It's yeah, it is probably some, it's yeah. some gay yeah. shit. I, like, I can't say that word, but yes. Uh-huh. Um, you can. It's all right. <laughs> no, do you we're know? Not, we're um, white, I I've guess. been watching. I've been watching reruns of the Jersey Shore, and there was this one episode where um, one of one of them was like, "I'm gonna put on a tea," and I had no. They bleeped I out had guinea no tea? idea what they were saying. I had to look it up. It turned out to be guinea tea <laughs> that he was saying. What is that? That's pretty funny. A actually. guinea I didn't is know a, that. I know what it's that a, is. So guinea, a guinea tea, it's like a wife beater. Guinea tea is a wife beater. Yeah, yeah, hilarious. Yeah. It's just yeah. slang for because we yeah. wear them. Oh, I've seen know. you. <laughs> we were. I almost. I almost showed up to the recording wearing I, one I today. Do. <laughs> I wear them. They're extremely comfortable and cheap. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but yeah. wait, what was I saying? Oh, I. I mean, I know some Italian people. I'm thinking of one girl in particular. I'm friends with that lived in her family's house until she got married. Yeah. Some people are even more That's traditional. What my sister's yeah. Doing. Oh, so your sister lives at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, my sister also in her situation, she she's a speech pathologist, so she had to get a master's degree, and she went to a good college. I went to some mm-hmm. shitty college in yeah. New Jersey. She went to Maryland, so like she's paying back her okay. student loans and everything, which I think is a factor yeah, here. Sure. I, I don't know the dynamics of of what the finances were going to be with her and her fiance, but she's got to pay for all of this yeah, extra debt. stuff. She's got to pay for her. Yeah. For, yeah, yeah, she's got to. Right. And she's got, you know, she's working now in her field, which is good, but she's still new. It's like all entry right. level Okay, stuff. well, when they do so, move in together, I, I guess after they get married, yeah. just make sure you tell her to get we'll two bathrooms. Yeah. They need that. That oh, yeah? to me is the secret to a successful I cohabitation. More, yeah. 
That could have saved my yeah, last I relationship. Truly, Mike, you should have talked no to me about my bathrooms that could have saved that fucking Versailles wouldn't have saved that fucking relationship. So this marriage, really, even if she had a little farm to go no. dress up like a peasant? Yeah, no. <laughs> like Marie Antoinette. Poor person play. Um, no, marriage, marriage doesn't mean anything anymore because people can get divorced without judgment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Especially mm-hmm. like we mentioned celebrities. Like when a celebrity gets engaged, I'm like, okay. You might have just, well, told them that they sneezed. Like, this doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Also, so, so, and also there is less of, there's a state, there's less of a stigma towards divorce. Um, There's also, there are alternative lifestyles. Now, I mean, like, and, and they are viewed as legitimate, maybe not in smaller towns or whatever, but in New York City, it's like, oh, your, your marriage is open or your poly or like, you know what I mean? Or there's, there's people who are asexual, like there's such a broader acceptance of mm-hmm. different types of lifestyles. So the traditional marriage kids is not, you know, that is not for everyone. That is for, for certainly people, not, but I think there's, there's this like lower pressure to adhere to that now. So the people who don't want that don't have to do that. So I, I think like, I think that's a positive. I think that means people have freedoms to live the life that they really would like to live. Again, like that doesn't mean everyone's going to be a freewheeling whore like me, but like, you know, like I <laughs> getting scratched sure, up on the yeah, on Wednesday night. I'm getting hung night. by meat hooks and I'm happy as a clam, <laughs> but like, but at least they'll be allowed to mature into the person that they are before committing to someone for life. Yes. Yes. Do I, people not like understand yeah. what for life means? But it that's doesn't like, mean for life. That's the thing. That's what I'm saying. But in theory, it does of, mean for of life. Of course, because you take things seriously as like a smart person but like you know idiots get married also like you said like people are having babies during the pandemic there are people who are i'm like i don't know how you tie your own shoes and you just moved in with this other person who uh, i really see being lucid in any form yeah you know so there's yeah i have a couple of those in my, oh my life as God. well where i'm just like oh that baby is doomsday yeah. yeah, we got another comedian coming down the pipeline. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. All right. Well, ladies, I think it is. Uh, that's going to be oh. it for us. We have gone on for six hours. Not six hours, but we've, we've oh, done what some a work wild here. ride. Uh-huh. Thank you for having us. Thanks for yeah. having us. Did oh, you have yes, fun? So much fun. Every time. It was a nice Italian dinner. Good. A nice mm-hmm. Italian dinner. It's always you a nice rename Italian the dinner podcast. with you two. Hey, forget about it. <laughs> the nice yeah. Italian dinner. I mean, the cover is me with dry lasagna on my face, so it's basically the same thing. <laughs> Love it. Uh, where can the people find you guys? You can guys? find us on social media at Hot Mess Comedy Hour, and you can also listen to our podcast, The Hot Mess Comedy Hour, wherever you get podcasts. Yes, Mike was on recently. Mike was just on. His mm-hmm. show is coming out mm-hmm. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, feast yes. your ears in your eyes and just enjoy us consume us you can also follow me at lubination on social media and follow me at andrea comedy 69 on social media and (laughs) i left i know it's a crowd pleaser (laughs) and you know what i'm kind of proving my point that millennials are clowns on fire because i'm an adult (laughs) woman with a college degree and uh i use 69 as part of my business so (laughs) haha fuck you (laughs) 
Uh, all right, guys. And obviously, you can find me at Mike Coscarelli on all social platforms. If you want to email the show, please do so. It's coscrules at gmail.com, C-O-S-C rules at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe if you have not done so already. Every little bit helps. Uh, and we will see you guys next week. Mike Coscarelli Rules is hosted by Mike Coscarelli. Executive producer, Mike Coscarelli. Supervising producer, Mike Coscarelli. Edited by Mike Coscarelli. Sound design by Mike Coscarelli. Podcast and social artwork by Chris Cheney. Special thanks to all the losers and the haters. Thank you.